All right, Mike. How you doing? Back with another one. Not too bad, Rory. How are you? Yeah, all good. What did you get up to over the weekend? Uh, just been good. Obviously, you know, busy week. Uh, Bank of England as well. You know, uh, it's, it's it's been busy. So you know, uh, yeah, trying to be good, trying to behave. Yeah, <laughs> the markets obviously, but yeah, busy enough. What about exactly. you? Ron? Yeah, kept it quite quiet this weekend. Didn't really get up to too much. So um, preparing for the interview here. I believe we've got a big one today. We've got D- Daniel from Simplicity Group joining us. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, I think, first of all, we'll just introduce Daniel, um, maybe what his role is, where he works, and just a bit, a bit of background knowledge, Daniel, you know, how did you get involved in crypto, how did you get involved really with simplicity, and really just take it from there, so. Uh, yeah, sounds good. So, uh, I guess I can start from university, that's where it all sort of starts. So, I went to uni and studied economics, and as I was in university, I sort of started getting more interested in crypto, uh, so around 2017 times. Um at first, it was just sort of a way to make money. I heard people were making money from it. It was a bull run. Yeah. And as I studied economics, I guess my, how would I put this, philosophical side came into play. And I sort of thought that crypto was the future. Studying economics made me realize there was a lot of issues in the economic systems. Uh, systems and markets weren't efficient. And ultimately, it was all a massive, not Ponzi, but I think the world is built on ponzi When you look at traditional economic systems, you look at the U.S., and I can't exactly call it a Ponzi, but there's definitely elements of Ponzi-nomics in there. And from there, I got more and more involved in crypto, started to actually believe that it was the future. And after university, I got a job at a VC incubator. And that gave me a lot of, again, uh, insight into the crypto industry. It made me understand it a lot more. And I managed to see how these projects were actually built. And one of the most alarming things for me about it was that when incubating projects, we were in essence told to just copy and paste from other projects. There was no real economic thought or design that went into it. It was pretty much just find a project that did well and copy and paste it. And that was, in my opinion, not how things should work. Uh, having looked at their studied economics, for me, tokens are a, I guess, unit of account, a unit of exchange, and there needs to be an economy surrounding them. Uh, so I was at this incubator VC with my mate, Alex, who also went to uni with me. And we both were pretty unhappy with the way things were and how things were designed. So we decided to form Simplicity Group, whereby we would actually help projects and businesses moving into the space to design a token, to design a crypto, that actually had economic policy surrounding it, that actually was based on economic theory and had a purpose to exist. Uh, From there, just being in the space now for 11 months we've been operating, uh, had built up our connections, and then VCs started asking us to actually help them with due diligence on these tokens, as we like understood the tokens intrinsically, will they accrue value, will they go up in price? And then we've built up another arm now whereby we do due diligence for VCs and we have a platform and sort of aggregate all the due diligence uh, and deal flow for them, which helps them basically uh, have like a centralized spot to find this deal flow and due diligence. And that's it, I guess a bit. Okay, amazing, yeah. It sounds like everything just kind of rolled into one, you know, from your back at university, you just got involved in crypto and then you, you started getting involved further and further down. And it seems as if everything just rolled into. To uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of ups and downs. Uh, yeah. Definitely times uh, where I was not so interested in crypto. I remember when uh, Elon Musk tweeted that Bitcoin was bad for the environment and yeah. I lost a large portion of my portfolio. Definitely times where I wasn't interested, like lost a bit of interest and it wasn't a smooth journey as I made it seem, but yeah, it was pretty much yeah, all in one. I just, uh, got really entrenched in crypto and dove fully into it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, a lot of the listeners out there who sort of would listen to myself and Mike quite regularly would know that I'm not sort of a fan of crypto. And and I don't know, I don't know really where it comes from. You know, I know that you were sort of talking about the Ponzi schemes that are out there and Ponzi, Ponzi economics and things like that. You know, I kind of sit on nearly the other side of the table where I sort of look at crypto and be like, you know, I think it's a bit of a Ponzi scheme. I don't, I'm not really a true believer in it, you know, yeah. and that's, and that's why I love having these sort of conversations, especially with somebody like you, because I would be somebody who's quite open-minded to hearing about the other side of crypto because I've never actually sat down with anybody who's been able to sway my opinion. Usually people just sway my opinion saying, well, Elon Musk is tweeting about it, so it must be good or, you know, things like that. You know, so I would say one of my first questions is how would you not maybe convince people, but what would be your first line of defense and saying, well, you know, this is the uses of cryptocurrency going forward. And this is maybe the advantages it has over you know, maybe the modern day currency over the fiat currency? So I guess the best place to start is Bitcoin and money itself. Yeah. Uh, when you look at money itself, originally there was barter, there was trade, there wasn't really like a unit of exchange. Um, skipping a few steps, gold coins were invented, gold began to be used. Uh, then bills and of exchange became popular, whereby banks would say, we'll give you gold in exchange for this banknote. From there, the Federal Reserve came into play, whereby, and they had the gold standard, whereby the dollar was pegged to gold. And in essence, in 1970, what happened is the gold standard was lost and the Fed began to hyperinflate the US dollar. And they've done so at a continued rate. And in essence, it's sort of become a Ponzi. The whole world relies on the dollar because most global trade is done in the dollar. And what we're seeing is there's something called the dollar milkshake theory, whereby certain nations, well, most nations have to sell their own bonds. They are forced to reconvert economy to buy the dollar in times of economic crisis, i.e. 2008 and sort of what happened with COVID. And Bitcoin is the first currency, and I'm going to be honest, it's not perfect. There's definitely flaws in it, but it's the first currency whereby there's not one central entity that controls it. There's not one central entity that can cause the rest of the world to suffer. And Right now, we're seeing, for example, in country, amongst countries, and especially the BRICS, they're moving away from the dollar for trade. Now, they, no one wants to use the ruble because the ruble is in a mess. No one wants to use the Chinese one because I don't think China itself wants it to be a like, global currency. There is no one currency that, I guess, de it's decentralization at the end of the day, that decentralizes a central authority from controlling it. Um, even when you look at the Russia-Ukraine war, uh, we've seen a lot of sanctions on Russian individuals and the Russian government whereby the dollar has been taken. Uh, I'm not going to say if that's right or wrong, but it's definitely put fear into more countries about and more individuals about whether their dollars are safe. And Bitcoin is, I guess, the answer to that. I think it's, again, not perfect. There's still issues with it. But at the minute, it is the only solution I've seen that can move us forward without having that central form of failure, I guess. Uh, Dan, just kind of based on that, obviously, you know, you're talking about the sort of origins of crypto and Bitcoin there being that decentralized, uh, you know, sort of unit of exchange. Obviously, key term being decentralized away from government, away from federal reserves and central banks. Do you feel as though, you know, based on what you said with regards to de-dollarization almost that we're going to see possibly a move towards crypto used in maybe global economic trades? But surely that kind of goes against what we were just saying, you know, crypto and Bitcoin as that decentralized means of exchange. But surely if we're trying to facilitate, you know, uh, global exchange trade with other countries, then we might have to move towards some kind of, um, 
you know, regulatory sort of framework, you know, and then do we lose the true essence of Bitcoin and other coins in the sense that they're not decentralized then? Because obviously regulation has got to come in and say, well, we need transparency on this and we need transparency on that. Like, what is your opinion on that? Um, so regulation is an interesting one. I'm pro-regulation. However, I don't think regulation will be implemented correctly. Ultimately, what right now, and it's been mentioned by as well loosely by you guys, uh, crypto in essence is the wild west uh, to most of the public. Uh, there's scams going on every day, and it's it's a space that isn't protected, and people get away with murder. Uh, so re regulation is needed. However, the issue is, do the governments actually know how to regulate? Will they regulate correctly? And will regulation drive innovation away from their regions to other regions? And I think the best example of regulation that's been done somewhat correctly is UAE and the Middle East with crypto. They've, they do regulate it, but they still want that innovation. And if regulation is brought in like that for in the world, I think it'll be positive. However, the fear is in Europe, we've seen you can't send more than $1,000 Bitcoin without stating the name and the person you're sending it to and the address. Uh, as in like physical address. That's where issues arise with regulation. Um, however, yeah, like I said, I do think it is needed. Um, for a lot of startups building cryptos, they are securities and there's no ifs, buts, or maybes about it. And they should be classed as securities. Uh, yeah, I guess, I don't know if that answered exactly your question. There's a lot of things to speak about on regulation, but that's sort of the overarching view I have. Yeah, look so, yeah, it does. And uh, Rory, just uh, another one, if you don't mind, mate. I was just... Interesting, Daniel, to hear your kind of perspective as well, because you've been in the space for a while now, um, you know, even before forming Simplicity Group. And one thing that I was kind of looking at uh, before the call was uh, the EU's recently passed uh, some legislation. It's the Markets and Crypto Act basically reduces risk for consumers, um, ultimately wants to create a transparent landscape for uh, those trading, buying and selling crypto. And ultimately, it's kind of it's going to hold these exchanges kind of liable to you know uh, potential losses for for the consumer. So I think obviously I, I'm assuming Daniel that would probably be you know along the lines of the regulation that you kind of welcome. But obviously, a kind of step back as well from that as well. We've seen the landscape change drastically. Um, I remember you know a few years ago, um, Estonia was the place in which. Uh, people were going to to start up cryptos you know a lot of people had set up business there and wanted to facilitate you know their transactions from Estonia uh, I read recently as well that you know out of safe there's been um, I think a crackdown on these companies and there's only about 100 left out of a landscape of about 500 or so companies 400 companies lost their licenses to trade in in Estonia um do you feel as though we're in the middle of this crackdown on regulation and we're, we're moving towards ultimately where we need to be? Um, I don't think we're in the middle of it. I think it's still very early days and it's okay. only being implemented in certain regions. I think ultimately this crackdown will come and it is coming and like we've seen the initial steps. I could, we don't know where that crackdown will end. That's the problem. Until it ends, you don't know where it will end. So we can't say if it will be along the right path or not. There's definitely fears of overregulation, uh, even in like this, the communities and in the space, people who are building. And what we're seeing now and why regulation needs to come in sooner rather than later is, as I said earlier, pretty much all of the innovation is moving to the East, whether that be UAE, uh, Thailand now, and it's, at first it was Estonia, and it's moving on more and more towards the East. 
so yeah, I guess that pretty much covers it. Yeah. Do you think as well, you know, you covered the you covered the point about how you can only send, is it like a thousand dollars a day over Bitcoin? You know, do you think that that kind of defeats the purpose of, of what yes, yes, so that's regulation I'm not for. I think Bitcoin ultimately, and this is why I think Bitcoin will never die. If you look at anyone who's sending bank transactions over $100,000 or you've spoken to them, it can take up to two weeks. They've got to call the bank, this, that, the other. With Bitcoin, it just becomes easy. It's literally you put in an address and you send. There's nobody who needs to confirm it for you. And defeating that definitely defeats the purpose of crypto. And I think one of the reasons I fear that will happen is because ultimately banks want your money to be in banks. Uh, They make money from having your money in the banks. They don't want people to be holding self-custodial Bitcoin. And yeah yeah especially you know in today's era like you know it's undoubtedly that the rich are getting richer and and the divide there too and people probably the one the top one or two percent of people in the banks you know 50 60 years ago a hundred thousand dollar transaction was a huge transaction whereas nowadays you know the upper middle class people would actually be making those type of transactions so as you say you having to have a currency or something implemented that you can make those transactions you know quite easily is really it's probably quite necessary i mean if you know, if you were going out to buy a new car today or something like that, and it was 150, 200,000 pounds, it's probably going to be quite difficult to move that money in the space of one or two days, like you've mentioned. You know, it might actually take a couple of days or a couple of weeks to get that. And that's the sort of, that's one of the things I'm all for Bitcoin, you know, or, or cryptocurrencies in general. I think that the movement of money should be allowed like that. But there's also another argument, you know, that I've heard people saying is that all it does is it just, it's really the starting point for you know, the sort of black market and, and things like that, that, you know, you see money laundering and if, if people can't tra- track the money and, if, you know, you can move hundreds of thousands or tens of millions instantly. Do you think that that then gives a beginning to the black market, to a gray market type of area and towards money laundering? Or do you think that there's going to be enough regulation to clamp down on that? So if you look at Bitcoin and I can only speak for Bitcoin here and illicit transactions, yeah. it's actually been the opposite impact effect. Bitcoin started off as primarily exclusively illicit goods um, with the dark web markets and with just the early days of Bitcoin. No one really knew what it was or used it unless they were on dark webs. And the amount of criminal transactions, and I can't verify this, but I was told on crypto has dropped from, on Bitcoin specifically, dropped from around 3% in 2020 to less than 1% in 2022. And with the improvement of on-chain analytics, with more firms entering the space, they can pretty much track down who or what is making these illicit transactions. They can blacklist wallets. Mm-hmm. And there are ways to definitely stop that, or not stop it completely, but to limit that criminal element of Bitcoin. Uh, it will always be used for money laundering, ultimately. Uh, even now, people will just before the taxi buy Bitcoin and then sell it as soon as the taxi starts, technically trying to stop paying taxes. And there will always be people trying to game the system. But that exists in the traditional world as well. I mean, look at how much taxes are avoided. Look how much criminal activity goes on with regular cash. Uh, There's artwork that's used. There's watches, whatever it may be. You'll never be able to stop it completely in any system. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a good point. You know, for anybody who does say, well, if Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies are the start of criminal activities, it's really not. Because all you have to do, as you say, is look at the current system. It's impossible to stop. People are going to use, whether it's luxury goods or they're going to use fake currency to do it. I mean, it's always going to be there. And if the statistics, as you say, are low enough, it's, if it's only like 1% or 2%, I mean, there's always going to be criminals in the world. There's always going to be people against the law. And you just have to allow for that bit of a buffer, I guess. 
Yeah, for sure. So we actually we actually got a question then, Mike, um, just from one sure. of the listeners. Um, so it's actually from Ansa, and they want to know really: Have you ever looked into Nano? Uh, the symbols X N O. Um, I've been in and out of their group chats, and apparently, what I figured out is basically the team they claim to teach is one step ahead of Bitcoin, and their tech is um, something that the world will shift to later on. Apparently. Um, but as of right now, they don't really have that much public attention. Only the geeks are into it. Um, so my question is, how do I really assess which one to invest in? I mean, I don't really have uh, fundamentals in crypto. And it's mostly driven by the internet gang gang. Um, if crypto is the future out there, um, where should I look? So um, so at the minute, the answer is one that I don't like to give, but it's the truth. If you want to make money in crypto, don't look at the fundamentals. Look at community. Community is the most important thing in crypto at the minute community will push price up more than any fundamentals can there are some coins with good fundamentals and with good tech that do have a good community but generally speaking it's the meme coins that make the highest percent i mean there were people who made 20 to turn 27 dollars into a couple of million in two two weeks uh recently with pepe however once regulation does come in i think that's going to die down yeah i think we're going to see a lot of the fundamental coins actually receive institutional backing and investment Institutions can't get involved until the regulation comes in. So these coins, which claim, well, first of all, yeah, but if these coins do actually have the technology, that's when they'll actually start to shoot up and that's when it will be worth investing in them. At the minute, it's just community. Like you can go on Twitter and you can see, if you type in the uh, coin ticker, how many people are tweeting about it, how many people are actually, like there are coins which people just die for. Like VRA is an example. I, I see it every day on my feed. People die for it. You can't say anything bad about it. You'll get DMs. Uh, from people saying what are you doing so at the minute if you actually were just going to make money and you don't care about the tech or investing into something that's going to better the world i'll just say community yeah. if you're interested in the tech the best way to look into it is just to the best way to look into it is to just do due diligence everyone will claim to be better than bitcoin everyone will claim to be better than ethereum and ultimately that is tech that is better than those two but are the team being honest? Do the team have experience building businesses? Crypto is still a business. And the most successful projects that are actually based on fundamentals are people who have experience in the business world, developing a business, and they've added a crypto element to it rather than being just a crypto for the sake of crypto. A lot of the projects now are just people who decided to throw crypto together, decided to say some fancy words, and they think it will work. They don't understand that it's like running a business. It is running a business. So I guess, yeah, I hope that answered the question yeah, i think that's a good answer yeah uh, dan i've got i've kind of got a question uh built on what you were just saying there yeah. um so looking at the crypto landscape from those that aren't really familiar with the territory it seems uh, again you alluded to it earlier in our conversation like the wild west but within that wild west you know we can kind of break down the landscape a bit further i would say personally you know you've got your your top tier coins and i'm referring to the likes of bitcoin and ethereum and then you alluded to it there in your response with regards to meme coins being built on almost like horde mentality, sort of animal spirits, everyone for, you know, these, these coins that are ultimately a joke. How would you kind of divvy up the landscape from your perspective? Is that it? You know, your top tier versus your meme coins? Is there any in between? Like, How would you kind of uh, paint um, that territory? Okay, so I would look at it not from top tier meme coins. I would look at it from uh, narrative more so. So you have your infrastructure coins, which are your layer ones, which is like Ethereum, Polkadot, Solana, 
these are coins whereby people can build on top of the existing network and that network the layer one will secure them and there's also layer twos which are built on top of the layer ones and they basically just make them more efficient so that's the infrastructure side of things you've got your meme coins uh, you've got DeFi, which is its own beast and a lot of DeFi is built on Pontinomics at the minute again but there are actual protocols in DeFi that will help the world um at the minute the usability isn't 100 there uh, so the purpose of DeFi is to give people in unbanked areas basically banking abilities but if someone in the west who has access to the internet can't understand DeFi and how to use it properly uh, people without good access to the internet good infrastructure won't be able to either so there's DeFi, which is another landscape and i think that's only going to become more prominent uh, right now we're seeing a push for real world assets that's sort of another narrative whereby people are actually putting real world assets on the blockchain allowing people to uh, fractionally own property that's a really popular one or there's like so yeah there's protocols where you can buy an nft of a property and that will give you rental income a portion of the rental income the property generates so now you don't need to buy the whole property wow. um so that's another narrative um there's gaming so actually 52 percent of transactions on the blockchain are from gaming projects uh so gaming is a huge one as well and at the minute most economies that have come out have been hyperinflationary and poor but and most games themselves haven't been fun but we're starting to see AAA studios build with blockchain and crypto technology. So that will be pretty huge in the future, I think. Um, what other narratives would I say? Those are the main narratives I think I'd say at the minute that I would divide it into. There are more, but those are sort of the ones that I actively sort of look at, I guess. Sure. Yeah, yeah sure. I think, you know, one of my last questions would definitely be, you know, if somebody's a bit of a novice in terms of crypto or they're just looking to get into it. what sort of would you have like a three-step approach that you would give people to get into crypto maybe like a, a good place to find out a bit more about the coins maybe a good exchange to start executing on would you sort of have a that sort of yeah. steps that you could give them so the first thing i'll do is i'll read a book called layered money uh layered money in essence goes over what i very briefly went over at the start uh, in detail in terms of money and how bitcoin comes into play and actually the purpose of bitcoin in the world economic system from there, once you understand what Bitcoin is and why Bitcoin exists, it's a lot easier to understand other coins and the purpose of crypto. Um, after Bitcoin, you, you should probably look into Ethereum. Again, just do some research, uh, Google, try to understand what a layer one is, what it actually does and what it allows people to do. Once you've got a sort of basic understanding of crypto, what would I do? For me, the main thing you can do is just actively research coins, what they do, and do you actually think they make, I guess the main thing I think about, do you actually think this improves efficiency in the current world, uh, in current systems? Once you understand blockchain technology, it's, it can definitely be used to pretty much make any system more efficient. However, at the minute, it hasn't been used to do that. So it's, I guess, understand Bitcoin, understand Ethereum and blockchain. From there, just look into as many coins as possible. And if you're looking into coins, uh, the best thing to do is look at some of the bigger VCs. So there's uh, the likes of Animoca Brands, Fabric Ventures, I don't know, Coinbase Ventures. Look at what they're investing in, first of all, and look into those coins. Uh, with regards to, yeah, just look into those coins and see what technology is doing, see what the coins are actually trying to do. Uh, from there, in terms of an exchange, I'd say Binance is probably the easiest to use and the one that has the most uh safety i guess i would say it can still go down we've seen ftx anything is possible but binance is the most sort of 
renowned one in the space and it's the most like least likely to fail in my opinion mm-hmm. from there get a ledger if you're actually buying crypto make sure you store your crypto non-custodially which means which means basically you don't hold it on an exchange you hold it on like a ledger or on a wallet where you actually own the wallet uh what else is there and i think the biggest way you can actually learn about crypto and the fastest way isn't in online communities that's how i started off it's by actually going to events crypto events in person so if you just go even go on event by and type in crypto there'll be hundreds of events and when you actually speak to people who are building in the space who have been in the space for years that's when you actually learn the most and understand the space best fair enough yeah um, something I just wanted to draw to as well, just as you mentioned, sort of, you know, we've seen the collapse of FTX and things. Something I'm actually not too sure about is obviously within the UK banking system, all the reserves, you know, all our current accounts are, you know, liable up to £85,000. So obviously if the bank collapses, that's what you're insured against. Is there any regulation like that around crypto markets or? Um, not at the minute. There are protocols and businesses that are starting that are implementing these. But you need to know who they are and you need to know how to apply. And it's like all on betas, for example, at the minute. Uh, so that, again, goes back to the regulation question where regulation is actually essential to a certain extent. Yeah, You can't have a fully decentralized world, no matter how much you want it. Uh, it. It just leads to chaos. There does need to be some regulation. There does need to be some law and order. And that is one of the things that I would say are important to be brought in for exchanges to actually be regulated properly and for them to basically have to be insured. Yeah. Um, and do you think from that, then you could probably start to see an influx of, of inflows really into exchanges? I mean, if I if I knew my exchange was insured up to 85 grand or, or whatever it is, it would maybe give me a bit more confidence to actually invest in crypto because I know that you, knew, you know your money's going to be safe in something. Yeah, uh, yeah 100%. Again, that's what regulation is really yeah. going to have to do and what the security measures are going to have to do. Uh, from like, even just from a ignoring the retail perspective from an institutional perspective it will give the institutions enough trust to enter mm. and their capital is obviously just a lot worth a lot more and that is where we'll actually see mainstream adoption having gone to a lot of like crypto events you do see a lot of institutional players like visiting and interested in the technology uh, and they are actively trying to get involved in the space but they can't get past the sort of board of directors or past the top dogs and the institutions until there are those safety measures yeah Exactly. Dan, I uh, forgive me, I'm going to twist your, uh, your wrist yeah. a bit. Um, looking closer at, say, you know, Bitcoin, um, we're in a very volatile sort of uh, environment for the coin as of recently. It's been very, very choppy, uh, down to, you know, lows uh, below 20,000, back all the way up to 30. And now we're on a bit of a bit of a bear pull back down. We're what just south of 27 i believe i think we were about 26 900 uh, just before we started our conversation what is your short-term views daniel in terms of where bitcoin's heading um i i, I know you guys over at simplicity have a viewpoint on it um we'd be really interested to hear you know what your short-term expectations for you know that coin is what does it look like uh you know maybe towards the end of the year kind of thing yeah so with regards to bitcoin there's a few possible scenarios i see playing out and i think ultimately they all depend on the US economy and what happens over in the US. Uh, we're seeing the debt ceiling not being raised uh, yet with the 1st of June supposedly being the day that yep. it hit. If that's it, for example, God knows what's going to happen in the economy. There's going to be chaos. Uh, and in general, the viewpoint that I sort of see most likely is that this pullback up to 30K was sort of a 
uh, bull trap more likely, whereby I think if you look at 1970 economy, there was a double top sort of recession, double top recession, and it was with like a double top inflation in America. Inflation rose up, dropped back down to 5%, and then shot back up as, I actually don't remember the reason now. Uh, I should probably look into that. But I feel like we're approaching similar territory whereby we've seen inflation drop in the US. Uh, we're seeing people think the Fed will stop hiking interest rates. And I think inflation will shoot back up. I think the war that's been propping up the US economy is going to swindle down, dwindle down. I think we're going to... Uh, there's two ways that goes for Bitcoin. Either people continue to lose faith in the US and Bitcoin shoots up as the answer. I don't think that's realistic. I don't think it's ready yet. I don't think there's enough whether that be regulation or whether that's just enough hype. I don't think Bitcoin's quite there yet. I think that's a bit further down the line. Uh, so I think ultimately we're in for like a dip over the very short term. Uh, it might go down to 22K, it might just be 25K. From there, um, I don't know where the bottom is and I don't know when it will hit, but I think we go back down and then the next leg up will be the actual bull run. And I think the next leg up will occur, and you touched on this earlier, uh, I think you mentioned if I think trade will be done with Bitcoin internationally. Mm -hmm. I actually, I'm not confident, but I threw out a sort of prediction a while ago now, two months ago, that within six months, Bitcoin would be used to trade oil and gas with Russia and China. Oh, wow. And I think something like that is going to push Bitcoin back up. Six months might be early or late, but that's sort of where I see Bitcoin going. I think it's going to decline with the US economy. I think the US economy is sort of, uh having yeah i think there's going to be a decline in the stock market uh, i think inflation is going to go back up and i think bitcoin will go down and then i think when bitcoin is eventually used to trade oil or whatever it may be between na nations it will shoot but not shoot back up but that's when all the bull market i guess will actually start daniel two kind of points based on on, on your answer there firstly um you know interesting enough you, you go straight into the macros when you're looking at cryptocurrency um, interesting approach to take to your analysis. Um, I feel as though, you know, that kind of uh, paints a picture of that, you know, the implication of Bitcoin is, is leading towards that real world use. So um, if you could possibly speak on, you know, you know, why you look at macros as opposed to the technicals when you're doing your analysis, because it seems that's the approach you take. And then almost a spin-off of that, uh, Daniel, is, you know, what is your opinion on, you know, the, the almighty Dogecoin? Is, is, is that simply a mean coin? Do you, is that a coin of any sort of, like, uh, relevance we see it kind of trading at around 10 bucks a coin now is 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 that something you pay attention to or just you know leave for the meme community okay so with regards to macro for me at the minute and there's a clear correlation between bitcoin and the macro economy it's it's been there since i don't know how long but for a very long time and i think ultimately when the macro is in such murky waters it's the most important thing TA is good for short-term entrances for, or sure. for entry points for finding your stop loss or finding where to leave positions. And it's good for short-term holds, long-term as well. But for me, I don't really have time to sit over charts anymore. Uh, I used to when I was a bit younger. I used to trade a bit more actively. Uh, now I don't want to bother about it. I don't want to think about it. I just want to look at the macro, have my hunch. And honestly, it's probably not the smartest strategy. But if I think it's going to be a bullish week, I'll just buy and hold. And I won't even look at the chart. I'll just look at the macro news. And based off the macro news, I'll be able to tell if it went up or down. And when there's so much going on in the macro and 
honestly, one of my, one of my biggest signals is just look at, op- at the opposite of what the big banks are saying, because I think they must do it on purpose. But constantly, if they predict CPI is going to be lower, CPI comes in higher. If they predict there's not going to be a head uh, a hike, there is a hike. And yeah, so that's sort of one of my signals, I guess, for me, if, if my, my view is the opposite of the big banks. Uh, with regards to Doge, the way to look at tokens is tokens are a way to transact value, and that value doesn't just need to be monetarily uh, monetary. Uh, in Bitcoin, it is a purely monetary transaction. However, that value can be a sense of community, that value can be a sense of belonging. And in meme coins and coins like Doge, that is the value that's actually transacted. It's not a monetary value in essence, it's more of a, uh, well, it's a conversion of the community essence to the monetary value. And Doge has such a strong community that I think it will have another leg up uh, and it will do well in the bull run. Having said that, for me, uh, I might throw a little gamble into these coins. It, that's all I treat it like. It's, it's sure. yeah, I, I don't treat it as anything too serious. Uh, yeah, I think I have one sort of final question. And it, it's maybe a bit of like a nugget hunter sort of question, but how is there like a way that you can tell what coins are going to go up? Because I mean, we see, we see coins all the time, as you mentioned, like you, know, you put 27 bucks into something and it becomes a million, you know, within two weeks. Is there, is there a fundamental process, like a systematic process behind how that usually works? Or is it just pushed by community, as you say, because you did mention at the start, community is probably one of the biggest things that's going to push a coin rather than fundamentals. Do you think if you just have enough following enough people on Instagram to promote it, that it, that it'll work out? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think uh, community is one of the main things, but community can come from multiple avenues. I don't actually think the Instagram like influencer route is the route to go. I think it needs to be a natural sort of progression of community of just online memes, whatever it may be. Yeah. So Pepe the coin that went massive, that became massive. It's like the biggest co- uh, meme in the crypto space. It's actually surprising that it took so long for a coin to come out. Uh, the one way which you can actually fundamentally look at things and make money on the market based on knowing where it's going to be is looking at trends. The market moves in trends. So there's something called LSDs in crypto, which is liquidity state derivatives. And what that basically was, was Ethereum recently had an upgrade whereby I don't know how much you guys know about Ethereum. You could basically sell your, uh, you could unstake your staked Ethereum. You weren't able to before. And with the launch of that uh, approaching, there was a huge move for these LSD coins, whereby they kept shooting, they were just shooting up because that was what was in hype. So you can look at hype cycles for sure and trade off of that. So real world assets, which I mentioned earlier, they were in hype around January to February. That was like the big hype in crypto in terms of what was actually shooting up. So you can just literally go from narrative to narrative, just based on looking at what is doing the best at the time. And when one coin in a narrative moves, you'll typically see all the coins move. So, for example, with Pepe recently, every meme coin shot up because of Pepe. It wasn't just Pepe that flew. Uh, loads of other meme coins were becoming popular. So just by looking at like the narrative whereby the best performing coin is, you can sort of do that. I guess that's the best sort of uh, the only way other than sheer luck with community. You don't, you don't know what's going to become popular. Uh, ultimately, a meme doesn't become a meme because someone chose it to become a meme. It, it just does. It's the internet. It's like... Yeah. yeah. Fair Are we delving into the realms of uh, WSB, Wall Street bets, Reddit? Is, is, is that where we're going <laughs> to become a part yeah. of these communities? That's that's yeah. what I always think it's like. I always think it's just you know you hear these people putting twenty bucks into something that goes to two or three million. I'm just thinking that there's no way that these people sat down one night and said that this is it. This is the coin. It's worth it. 
because you would have put more than 20 into it you would have put a million into it it's just it's just basically a lottery ticket then pretty much you know yeah, pretty much it's this yeah that's a good way to look at it yeah an expensive one <laughs> well i think uh, mike if you don't have any more questions i think that's it yeah. absolutely sounds yeah. good daniel thank you so much for the time great daniel, insight yeah thanks uh, very much really appreciate it I hope we can get you back on again because uh, the insight into some of the crypto there, Daniel, brilliant Bitcoin, uh, especially your insight into, you know, the um, the meme territory as well. And obviously the technologies behind the coins, um, you know, brilliant insight. Clark, thank you enough, mate. Yeah. No, no, thank you for having me. Thanks very much, Daniel. I appreciate it. Thanks, Cheers. Have a great one. See you in the next one. Bye. Thanks.